so you know there is um yeah there's there's different kind of ways to interpret it and again as i said being plant-based doesn't mean you have to cut out all meat products um it, it's just making sure that majority of your diet is full of plants g'day humans of agriculture and welcome to episode 13. these weeks are absolutely flying by i'm your host ollie lalive and this week i'm very excited to be talking health nutrition and doing a bit of myth busting along the way today i'm chatting with nutritionist steph geddes the founder of body good food in a little aside, Steph the Superstar was 37 weeks pregnant when we recorded this episode. I'm wishing her all the best as she welcomes a little one into the world very soon. Today, I actually had about half a dozen questions from friends, farmers, strangers, and new mothers, wanting to take the chance to understand more about some of the decisions they're making around food today and what it could mean for them into the future. From testing intolerances in early childhood to a farmer asking if we should actually be eating dairy. Steph and I begin our chat talking about how dieting can be incredibly restrictive and even obsessive. In fact, it doesn't need to be. Food shouldn't create anxieties and it should be so exciting to discover the endless possibilities you can create. We discuss the linkages between gut health and your overall health and well-being. And one thing I loved knowing was that your gut is actually the foundation and research is showing there's a correlation between a healthy gut to things like your moods, mental health and your digestion. Over recent years, we've seen a rise in plant-based diets, which in fact we all should be. But before you go jumping down my throat, just hold your horses. It's the foundation of our diets that should be plants. We chat about the importance of understanding seasonality through your local farmers markets and the effects of food miles and what it does to nutritional value. I really enjoyed this chat and found it incredibly insightful to some of the questions we see pop up day to day. I don't want to take over the chat for you, but when you listen to the next 40 minutes, you should jump over to Instagram and check out humansofagriculture underscore. You can pop up your questions in the comments and we'll link you directly to Steph. Enjoy the chat, and if you enjoy this episode, we'd love for you to rate and review it. Well, welcome to the Humans of Ag podcast, Steph. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Can you tell me what you're up to at the moment and what is uh, Body Good Food? Sure. So Body Good Food is essentially my business. Um, It's a space for me to essentially share all of my nutrition knowledge, but also lots of just inspiration for people as well, because I think it's one thing to give people the nutrition education side of it. But for me, it's much more about the inspiration and the practical side. So getting people actually hands-on with these foods I'm talking about and cooking and enjoying food and appreciating these foods. Um, So I essentially, I'm a registered nutritionist, but I work mainly as a consultant um, in recipe development. So I work for either companies or brands or products or programs or books or whatever it might be, um, developing recipes, sometimes programs, lots of content, writing content creation, um, and also run some of my own online programs. And I also have my own book as well. Yeah, keeping you busy. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And so was health and nutrition something that you just fell into or has it come from your, from growing up? Yeah, look, I think I was always really sporty as a kid. Um, So I was always into, you know, keeping fit and exercising. But 
never really so much focused on the nutrition side of it. I suppose you could say I almost could get away with my nutrition when I was younger because I was so active. Um, and, you know, my family was healthy, but not in the sense that, you know, I suppose a lot of people are today. We just eat your regular kind of meat and free veg dinners and that sort of thing. And when I left school, I started studying exercise and sports science. And I thought that's where I sort of wanted to go with my career. Um, but then I had to do a couple of subjects where I just had to fill in gaps. So I chose nutrition subjects because I thought, well, it complements it well. It's probably good to know. And I just loved it. And I just completely fell in love with the nutrition side of it. So I ended up finishing my degree in exercise and sports science, but I majored in nutrition. And then I went on to do postgraduate in human nutrition as well. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's such a, or from where I sit and with people kind of my age, I'm 28, but it's turned into such a, either a fad and kind of mm. the way these diets are going. But also like, it's so cool now where you actually got, we've seen this shift in kind of opportunity. You walk to your local cafe and you can actually start to see where the products have come from. You can understand a bit more, yeah. but. There's so yeah. much to know. <laughs> yeah, and I think there really is, and I love, like, this is why I was so excited to be on this podcast because I think there is a really big divide between nutrition in one sense where people are just worried about eating essentially to keep their weight, you know, at a particular level. Um, but then there's that whole other side of it, which is just your connection with food. And I think because we get so caught up in that whole diet culture, we forget that connection with food. And at the end of the day, like food is so much more to people than it is just whether it's going to make you lose weight or put on weight, you know? So I really love that this is kind of a, an opportunity to explore that a little bit more and get people to understand that whole other side of nutrition, not just that kind of education. Okay. What's good for me? What's bad for me? That's all I'm going to eat. Yeah, for sure. And, and as I was thinking about this, I was like, shit, I'm probably the last person who should be talking about nutrition or anything of, of that. But it, <laughs> it, it's such a part of the whole system. And like, as I started to think about it more and more, I was thinking of like, the way even like, my friends or family and the way they died. And it's literally, it's, there's two, two words that as I thought about it, it's, it's either completely restrictive or it's obsessive. And people yeah. just don't live a normal life when they kind of go about that. And that's one thing that's really interested me with you is you kind of have this philosophy of balance and creating balance in your life through food. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you're right. I think, you know, it's very easy for people to get caught up in the whole hype of the diet culture. And as you said, it can be very restrictive and very obsessive. And that is, it's really when that happens that people lose that connection with food and, and, you know, once you kind of show them the other side and, and talk to them about, okay, well, let's stop worrying about the calories in food. Instead, when you look at a food, how about you look at it and go, well, where was this grown? How was it grown? Who harvested for this for me? You know, what were the farmers like? What, what area in Australia did it come from? Is it local? Has it been shipped from overseas? Like understanding more about that. Then also the appreciation of, okay, but then even who cooked it for me and how is it prepared and who am I enjoying this food with and how good does it make me feel? And it's just a completely different experience when you start to connect more with the food that way. Yeah, absolutely. And so is there like a moment for you when you were growing up, like have, have you had a, an opportunity where you're growing up on the far, like on a farm or you've got friends with farms and it was kind of that connection that brings you back to kind of that core base? 
Actually, not really. Like I was probably more on the other side of it growing up where it was very much just food was put in front of me and, you know, all I was thinking about was, okay, well, how many calories in this and how does this work in someone's diet? And almost like calculating like it was, you know, a, an equation or something and working it out for people and going, does this fit into people's calorie intakes and all that side of things? And then because I think I also just have a love for food, so I think that's the other side of it that sort of came along for me. I was, you know, happy to write recipes that would stick to so many calories for people and all that. But at the end of the day, I was like, gosh, who really wants to just sit down and eat chicken and broccoli? Like, yeah. is this really enjoyable? And I had people coming in and being like, yeah, I eat healthy. You know, I'll eat, um, you know, egg white omelette for breakfast, tuna salad for lunch, chicken and broccoli for dinner. And I'll be like, okay. And then, you know, what oh. do you do? and they're like no no same thing the next day like that's pretty much every day and I'm just my mind was blown I was like oh my gosh you have no idea about how many incredibly delicious meals you could be eating which is still going to be so beneficial for your health um, but people were just worried about sticking to you know what's right and what's wrong and what's going to be essentially best for them but in a way that they're trying to stick to that whole diet approach I started visiting farm gates and shopping at local farmers markets and, you know, getting a organic box delivered to my house that was literally sourced from the local markets that day, you know, and then delivered on my doorstep. And so you just have so much more appreciation for food when you kind of experience that and look a little bit deeper into it. Yeah, for sure. Now I'm with you on that. And it's like, it's funny, isn't it? Cause the some approaches and I think people, kind of start to grow out of it but it's like a black and white approach but look you're actually talking about to be nutritious and healthy you really should start to be looking at the colors of the rainbows and having quite a colorful diet is that right yeah yeah absolutely and there's so much more like people are just obsessed with calorie counting and you know yes we know that if if weight loss or weight gain or weight maintenance is, is on your radar we know that it makes sense that you need to have some sort of calorie balance or whether that's a deficit or a balance or a gain, but there's just, there's so many ways that you can do that. And it doesn't have to be with just boring foods that you think are, you know, that the right thing to eat. There's just so much variety in food these days and, you know, different ways that you can play with vegetables and, you know, people just think veggies are so boring, but there's so many incredible ways that you can cook them. So many varieties of vegetables available, like, I always say to people, go to your shops and, and look for veggies that you don't usually get. You know, people always stock up on the, the same thing, like your cucumber, your tomato, your lettuce, your salad. Okay, but what about like asparagus and beetroot and fennel and all these other incredible vegetables? And they're like, oh, I've never eaten that or I've never cooked with that. How do you even use that? You know, so there's just so much more for people to experience, I think, with food. Yeah, for sure. No, I think I fall into that category where you nearly like you could heat map where people go when they walk into the yeah. supermarket. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But asparagus has a, a soft spot in my heart after I did a, a work done an asparagus farm. We're exporting it a couple of years ago, oh, a couple of years ago, 2016. And it, yeah. that opened my eyes. I just, that is just the most amazing kind of vegetable with how quickly it grows. Yeah. And, it is and, and it's funny because when, um, I don't know how long ago it was, but when, cause asparagus is really only, it's very seasonal. So, you know, it's very, very much a spring vegetable. And here in Victoria, majority of, you know, our country's asparagus is actually grown not far from where I live. 
So I've been to visit the farms and I took a picture of, you know, like the asparagus that I had at home and it growing at the farm. And people were like, oh my gosh, I never knew asparagus grew like that. You know, because they get, we obviously buy them in bunches, but they grow in like single little spheres of um, asparagus. Yeah. And people were like, I had no idea that's how they were growing. I've actually, uh, there was a photo I was going to put up on the social media because I've been trawling through some of my old photos because there's one that I really want to find. And it was, I had two crates next to each other. One was one that we were sending to like the Australian market and then the other crate was the international one. Mm-hmm. And it's like just the stark difference in terms of quality and colour and size that we mm-hmm. get in Australia. Anything yeah. that's good gets sent out the door, goes Amazing. overseas. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was, it was really interesting. Yeah, that's incredible. So I suppose, yeah, we're jumping into the diet and trend side of things. But for me, like I've been reading a bit more in the last few years about the importance of gut health on your overall well-being. So mm-hmm. is the gut kind of the, the rock star or the foundation of overall health, happiness and well-being? Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of the research that we're finding is suggesting yes um you know it just is linked to so many aspects of your health um you know everything from even like your moods and your mental health to digestion to how you store fat how you regulate glucose um you know neurotransmitter hormone production it's just linked to so many different things and i think it's such a such a simple one that people can think about and focus on because it can be done just through whole foods you know, that's the good thing about with your gut health. It doesn't have to be done by any special supplements or expensive medications or anything like that. It can literally be supported just by the everyday foods you're eating. But people probably don't have an understanding about what foods are best for that. And so what are, this is going to be a dumb question here, what are whole foods and what Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank. And I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported. Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. What are some of the examples of it? For the best foods for gut health or just whole foods in general? Oh, I suppose whole foods in general, but yeah, then maybe specifically kind of for gut health as well. Yeah, so like when I say everyday whole foods, I'm essentially looking at a food that's in its whole state. So we're looking at, you know, your fruits, your vegetables, your legumes, your nuts and seeds, your whole grains, um, you know, even meat products, fish products, chicken products, but your whole foods. So as opposed to any of your processed or your refined foods. So when we look at a whole food, it's essentially, okay, well, it should be as close to how it's grown in nature as possible with, you know, minimal processing along the way. Yeah, cool. Okay, so that leads me into this question now, which is around we've seen this push for vegetarianism and, and veganism and I suppose the plant-based diet, if you to coin it that. But, yeah. like, 
what are some of the trends that you're seeing at your end of kind of the, yeah, the eating trends of how people are going? Are we kind of cutting meat out completely or what is Yeah, well, look, I think there's been a bit of both. There's definitely been a shift around reduced meat consumption or reduced animal products. Um, And I think that was very much fueled by big sort of vegan movement. There was a documentary, I'm sure you've heard of it, The Game Changers, which people just kind of jumped on and completely went away with it. Um, And, you know, I think it's important to remember that Yes, you know, there might be some merit to some of the things in that documentary. It was also very biased and you're always going to find supportive evidence the other way as well. But I think people really just, yeah, took on, took on that and the vegan movement became very big. Um, still gut health, I think, is still trending. Like, I think that has been definitely for the last 12 months and probably will continue to be. So I'd say both of those kind of in combination are, are pretty, um, yeah, trending, trending things at the moment in the food world. Yeah, the game changers one's interesting, isn't it? Like it's, I've got, I've got a mate who's a farmer actually, and he's he has essentially cut out meat from his diet during the week. But it, it is one of those ones if you can go down and support any argument that you want, given the evidence that's out there, um, and. But it, yeah, kind of being neutral on it. So I suppose around meat consumption, are you saying that it has a role in the diet and it's important for overall health? Look, it definitely can. Um, you know, and even the Heart Foundation came out, um, what was it, maybe mid last year, and even they changed their guidelines around meat and how much red meat we should be eating. So I think what people are getting confused with, with the whole kind of plant-based eating is that plant-based doesn't have to mean no animal products okay so yes if you're vegan you definitely are no animal products but you can still have a plant-based diet and include animal products if you wish now for some people you know if you grew up on a farm where you know you were producing beef or lamb or chicken or something like that it might be just you know part of your culture that you enjoy to eat those foods and some people do feel good and there's no doubt that we can get some nutritional benefit from animal products. Like in particular, your red meat, you're getting things like your zinc and your iron, which are hard to get from other sources. But it's all about being plant-based. So majority of what you're eating should be plants. And then whether you choose to have a small amount of animal products in there, that should be completely up to you and not even just decided on, as I said, nutritional benefits, but also just around your culture and your enjoyment of food as well. Yeah, that is, it's a good one, isn't it? It's one thing, like I try and think of, yeah, what I'm eating somewhat consciously. And and I think it's something that starts to come with age. But so there's no golden rule as such with it's, some studies are saying it's 100 grams of red meat a week. Others Mm. are, you saw that, it's a... Well, I suppose there's a few different ways you can look at it. So um, I think one of the big studies that came out that looked around sustainability it was looking at very much limited, yeah, roughly around the 100 grams of meat, 150 grams per week. The Heart Foundation have come out and said um, a maximum of 350 grams per week. So that's directly relating to heart health and what they've found around heart health. Um, And I think what people don't realise is these numbers kind of get thrown around, you know, 100 grams, 350 grams. But what does that actually look like? (laughs) So... You know, for example, 350 grams, it's about a palm-sized serving of red meat 
anywhere from one to three times a week. Okay, so 100 grams is roughly about a palm size. So when you think about that, okay, having a palm size of meat one to three times a week, it's actually not a lot of red meat. Whereas some people, and particularly in Australia, where you know our typical Aussie diet has generally been quite a lot of red meat, some people would be eating red meat every night. <laughs> so, you know, there is, um, yeah, there's, there's different kind of ways to interpret it. And again, as I said, being plant-based doesn't mean you have to cut out all meat products. Um, it, it's just making sure that majority of your diet is full of plants. Yeah, for sure. No, I like that. It's easy to follow too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Set the base and then follow. And so I suppose that's where it gets really interesting now, isn't it? We're seeing these big kind of multinational businesses, which uh, I'm not going to say I'm scared of or skeptic okay. of, but um, yeah, we're seeing Beyond Meat. We're seeing the Impossible Burger. Like they are billion dollar companies now that have raised money in the, in these areas. But you you start to look at what's on the back of these products and there's like 17, 18 different ingredients with 17 of those that you can't pronounce or understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of the complete opposite to that, what you're saying around the whole foods. Yeah. yeah. So I think people really need to consider when they are shifting to a plant-based diet. And as I said, whether that's vegan, vegetarian, or just plant-based with minimal animal products, what are you using as your plant-based products? So, you know, particularly those who are vegan, if you're using like meat replacement products, what's actually in those products and a lot of the time they are highly processed which kind of goes against the whole point of being plant-based in the first sense because you know one of the best benefits of it is the nutritional benefits so I think people just really need to be aware you need to educate yourself if you are going to start cutting out any major food groups and this really goes for any kind of dietary trend like we've obviously also had the paleo movement and the keto movement and all that sort of stuff, which are all diets, which essentially cut out major food groups. If you're ever going down that pathway, you need to think about your full balanced diet and okay, well, if I am deciding to cut those things out, how am I going to make up for those nutrients that I might be missing? And also think about long-term, is that a good option for me long-term to be doing, to be cutting out those major food groups? Yeah. And I feel like when it comes to dieting as well, like we, we're constantly looking at, am I going to fit into those pants? Am I losing weight? Am I putting on muscle? But like we're losing complete perspective. It's like you can put the wrong type of fuel or the wrong type of oil in a car for mm. a substantial period of time. And then one day it just goes bang and turns off. Yeah, like it's, it's a scary thought that when you start to think of the implications we're making today, or the decisions we're making around food is going to have long-term implications. And that's where not having an understanding of where the foods come from and how it's been processed and what's actually involved with it from every angle is kind of a scary thought. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think, yeah, as long as people just, you know, if you decide to make those movements, there's nothing wrong with if you decide you want to, you know, follow a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet, but just really make sure you educate yourself because when you do start to cut things out, there is an increased risk of deficiency. Um, so you just need to make sure that you're ticking all the boxes and, you know, someone could be having following a vegan diet, but eating completely processed food the entire time. <laughs> and, you know, that's going to have some serious implications for your health down the track. So. 
So is there somewhere which is like a, a Bible or a one-stop shop or an Ask Jeeves at Google of the food well that's reliable just and freely available? Um, look, the hard thing is like when you Google, you're going to find all sorts of information. I would say to just find someone that is qualified in the area, someone that you trust, um, and to really work individually with a practitioner. You know, if you're wanting to make any major changes to your diet, um, you really should be speaking to a practitioner because as much as, you know, it might just be a matter of, okay, well, I want to go vegan. I'm going to Google like, what should I eat and what shouldn't I and what supplements. It's not going to be the same for everyone. So some people, you know, might require specific supplements, whereas some people may not. And it's going to just depend on your individual health status. So always working, you know, directly with a practitioner and someone that you, you know, that you trust and that you believe in their philosophy as well is important. And so I had a question come through to me during the week and it was from Molly. It's not an alias mm-hmm. name. <laughs> but what Molly was asking, so she's a vegetarian and what she wanted to know is generally speaking is, is there something or yeah, is there deficiencies or complications in the long term for people who pick up the kind of a, a vegetarian diet and is there things that they should be thinking about kind of more specifically today? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, look, there there can be down the track because I think what it all comes down to is if you follow a vegetarian diet, that's fine. But what's your actual dietary variety like? So as a vegetarian, do you eat a full variety of all the different, you know, vegetarian friendly foods or do you limit yourself to just kind of eating the same foods all the time? So if you limit yourself to eating the same foods all the time, which is really common because we do tend to be creatures of habit. Um, I think there's a, a, I can't remember exactly. I think the statistic is like the average Australian eats 17 different foods a week, um, but we should be aiming for 30 different foods a day. So, you know, it's quite incredible to think that people can get stuck in such a routine. And if you're eating the same foods all the time, there's, there's two things to consider there. One is obviously your nutrient intake. So to reach your nutritional requirements, if we looked at it across a week, you need to be getting as much variety in food as you can. The other side of it, which we sort of touched on before in relation to gut health, is we know that a, a well-performing gut is one that has lots of diversity of bacteria in there. And the way that you get diversity in bacteria in your gut is diversity in the food that you're eating. So variety and diversity is huge. So I would say that is your first place to start if you are going to be vegetarian or vegan, making sure that all of those whole foods that fit into that category, you're eating eating all of them, you know, getting a really good mix of all of them. Um, and then considering things that you're cutting out. So obviously from meat products, things like iron, things like your B12, things like your zinc. Okay, what are the best plant sources of those foods? Potentially, if I can't get enough of that or my body just doesn't absorb it well enough or use it well enough, do I need to go on a supplement? And sometimes the answer is yes. So, you know, really, as I said, working with a practitioner to understand, get them to go get some bloods done so you can see where you're at. And then you can kind of use that as a base and work off seeing, you know, do you just need to include your food variety more or do you need to incorporate supplements or, you know, what's the best way to really fill out and get that complete vegetarian diet that you might need? Yeah, for sure. I'll make sure she listens to it. And if she's got any questions, I'll tell her to reach out. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. 
What about, I suppose, so we're obviously seeing the things that we can control and change, which we, yeah, obviously seeing with vegetarian and plant-based diets, but what about allergies? Like I swear when I was growing up, there wasn't that many allergies and that wasn't even that long ago, but now you, you're looking at, yeah, mates who are having kids and every second child seems to have some sort of an allergy or an intolerance. Like, is, yeah. Are they increasing or are we just getting better at detecting them? Yeah, look, probably a little bit of both. Um, and I think, you know, these days allergies and intolerances are much more widely accepted. So where someone before may have just put up with issues they might have been having, like, you know, any digestive discomfort, like bloating or reflux or anything like that, irregular bowel movements, a lot of people have always just put that down to normal and just put up with it. But I think now we're much more educated around, okay, well, that's probably not normal. So let's sort of have a look at what might be causing those things. And then eventually that kind of leads to things like potentially allergies, but, you know, lots of intolerances and stuff as well. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of both. And it really also comes down to that whole thing I talked about, about the food variety um, and also linking to your gut health as well. So they're very much linked to things like allergies and intolerances too. And so on the dairy front, I, this is, this is, I've had more questions this week than any other. It's been good. <laughs> <laughs> this one's actually from a farmer as well. And he was saying, like, so he sees kind of the gains that the animals get, that the calves get from drinking milk. Mm-hmm. Like, are our bodies designed to be drinking the dairy products that are for ra- raising animals and animals that grow into 800 kilo kind of beasts? Yeah, look, it's, a, it's an interesting topic, um, you know, and I think dairy is one that we really need to look at um, the food as a whole as opposed to, like, singling out any individual nutrients. So, for example, a lot of people are saying, okay, well, you know, dairy is high in saturated fat. So in a lot of senses, like, if you were to look at heart health and things like that, essentially it wouldn't be very good for you. But we know that dairy doesn't exist just as an isolated nutrient like that. It exists as what we call a food matrix. So we know that dairy also has calcium. It also has protein. And when you look at things like yogurts and kefir, it also has live cultures, which is so good for our gut health as well. So you need to consider that, you know, things like dairy don't just act in isolation. That's a whole food matrix and, and kind of weighing up, okay, well, Yes, there might be potential, you know, negatives to consuming dairy, but there's also a lot of positive positives as well. Um, and sort of weighing that up to, to your own preference and your own, I suppose, risk as well, depending on your own health. Um, but there's no reason why we would say across the board that no, we shouldn't be consuming dairy. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. It's the same as like your fruits, isn't it? If you purely look at it that, yeah, oranges and stuff, they, or apples have high levels of sugar, but they're naturally occurring sugars as opposed to this processed sugars that we add. Exactly. And the, and the whole thing with fruit is, okay, well, yes, you, you are getting sugar, absolutely, but you're also getting fibre. You know, you don't get that from your processed sugars. You're also getting your vitamins and minerals, your antioxidants, which you don't get from your processed sugars. So it's exactly the same thing. It's weighing up that, okay, yes, there might be something negative about it, but there's also lots of positives about it too. Is there one thing around food in general that kind of scares you or it's like the the big unknown that you kind of not necessarily keeps you up at night? I hope there's nothing that bad, but (laughs) is is there something that plays on your mind? Um, 
Not really. I think, I think for me, it's, it's more around, you know, not any particular food than like, you know, should we be having it? Should we not? But more so around, you know, people's mindset around food and just that whole food does produce a lot of anxiety for people and a lot of worry and a lot of negative thoughts. And I just hate to think that people are going through that where they're missing out on so much enjoyment from food because they, they're just so worried about what that food is doing to their body. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing for me. Fair enough. And so how involved are you, like as a nutritionist, you're dealing with everyday consumers and athletes or whoever, um, <laughs> all kinds of people. How involved are you to the source and connected to asking those questions of farmers? Yeah, look, the good thing is that um, essentially I can reach out to them as much as I like. So what I love is just like making my own connections with the farmers. So, you know, I have been on many farm tours where you go and visit the farms and chat to them about their produce. And and the best thing is that these farmers are never, um, you know, they're, they're always happy to talk to you about it. So, you know, if I ever get a question about something, I've got a lot of local farms around where I live. I literally just call them up and be like, hey, I'm being asked about this. What do you think about this? And they'll give me their feedback and then I can pass that on. So I love that I can kind of be that middle person that can really help share that information because I do think that is a big kind of missing link between the farmers and the consumers and, and also the other way around too. And it's one thing that just screams as you talk to them is just how passionate love farmers are. But I, I reckon it's a similar thing across, I'll just like focusing on food here for the minute, but like mm -hmm. everyone who kind of specializes in an area and farmer specializes in growing it, you specialize in the health and nutrition aspect, like people who specialize in the marketing and telling that story, like everyone's so passionate about their little areas. It just flows through, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so much more that we can be doing about c connecting the consumers to that other end of it as well, to the farmers and, you know, I would love to see more farm tours going on, just getting people out there and seeing how their food is actually grown. If we can get those sorts of things happening, even, you know, at the level of primary schools, because it's incredible. Like I, I remember I was doing some work with a childcare centre and helping them with their menus and that sort of thing. And they said, we really want to, you know, provide some education for the kids. We know that they're really young, but when we asked one of the kids, where does your milk come from? She said, oh, the man that drops it off at the door, <laughs> you know, and, and literally like, I know these kids are young, but they have no idea that, that these, you know, foods are coming from animals that are coming from a farm and a farmer has harvested that. And, you know, so just from a young age, getting people to understand that that, that is kind of where your food comes from and having an appreciation for that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the, like, the big drivers behind this page and kind of the, the broader platform of humans of agriculture is um, a couple of years ago, there was a survey and it was that 83% of people, there was a thousand people surveyed for it. 83% of them said their relationship to a farmer was non-existent or distant. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, how you don't trust, like inherently we're just putting trust in what we're told is the right thing to do, but we've yeah. never had such an opportunity to get access to information in a way that's so easy, but it's just, not happening uh, but it's so it's such an exciting part as well i reckon because it's so fun like <laughs> people who grow their own veggies or herbs or anything and then you start to look at it at a scale and you just think like oh, my goodness these people are just 
insane in terms of how they manage it and the hours and yeah 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 absolutely and I think as well that a lot of the reason why people don't have that connection is because it's so easy to go to your big chain supermarket get any possible fruit or veg that you want forget that it may or may not be in season you're not even looking at where it's come from you're just okay yep this is what I want to cook tonight or this is what the recipe says so this is what I'm getting you go home, you cook it, and you just don't even have that thought any further than where you've got that food from. So I think really encouraging people to, and it, it just benefits in so many different areas that, you know, stop going to your big chain supermarkets and have a look around around you. Like, is there a small, even a community road, you know, is there a farm gate that's not far from your house you can go to or your farmer's markets on the weekends? And you'll start to like, if you just go to those shops, you'll start to see, oh, you know what, like, yeah, you're right. Asparagus actually isn't here. So does that mean that it's not in season at the moment? Or if you go to your supermarket, take note of the origins. You know, where are those foods coming from? Because they could be coming from overseas. And imagine the food miles, but also imagine the loss in nutritional value by the time it actually gets to your plate, um, as opposed to getting something so fresh and so local that obviously would be so much higher in nutritional value. Um, I really encourage people to have a bit more of a think about that. I'm so glad you brought that up because that was one thing I did want to ask around was this seasonality of, of produce. And it is, isn't it? Mm. If you, it's just getting exposure to it. and, and Yeah. And, yeah. And people just forget that food is grown in seasons, you know, because we do just have access to whatever we want at the big chain supermarkets. People forget that, oh, yeah, some things are really only, you know, harvested in spring or summer, summer or winter foods. And, you know, if you're a winter person, um, you'll, you know, you'll start to notice that there's a lot of repetitiveness in winter because, you know, a lot of crops don't grow so well in the colder months. Whereas in summer, there's a bit more variety because crops tend to grow a little bit better with that warmer weather. So, you know, really, yeah, having a think about seasonal food and just getting in touch with that side of food a little bit more and understanding, okay, well, if this food is in season, one, it's going to be cheaper. Two, it's going to be more nutritious. And three, it means that you can probably, well, you probably are supporting more of your local farms because that's where it's coming from. And the nutrition side, like, and the, the, I suppose loss of nutrition is really interesting. So a couple of weeks ago, I had Hayley Blyden from the Australian Superfood Company on, yep. which was yep. just so cool. The native food side of yeah, things. Yeah, And kind of the process that they're developing to, to harness into that. What about on the superfood front? Is that... Is that just, it's another component of the diet or is it nearly? Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to identify like what is a superfood? You know, like really the superfoods are your everyday whole foods, your fruits, your vegetables, your whole grains, your legumes. Um, you know, yes, some foods have maybe more um, potent nutritional value than others, but there's no real superfood in the fact that you would eat that food and that's like all you need to eat essentially. I would say that all of our whole foods are superfoods really. And have you played with any of the native ingredients? And Yeah, yeah. Actually, Hayley has sent me some of their products, um, which oh, I love. You? It's so cool to be able to embrace that and particularly the native Australian ingredients. Like those sorts of things are just things that get lost in our food system and, and you know, they're, they're native to us yet. We don't even know what those ingredients are. Or we're not familiar with them. Um, so, yeah, I really love what they do and kind of bringing that into more of a everyday product and getting consumers to be able to include it into their diet. Yeah, I love it. 
Yeah, it's got such an incredible story and it's such a just unknown kind of aspect of the Australian food system, which is, yeah, so awesome because it's been here for hundreds of years. It's resistant to pests and diseases. It's adaptive oh. to the environment. It's, um, yeah, I reckon it's pretty exciting. It was awesome to yeah. chat with her. Yeah, and I, I really can't wait to see, you know, where where they go with their products and, and where they take them and the new, you know, products and creations they're going to come up with. I think it's really exciting. Yeah, so one thing that was really interesting with Hayley was around like, just the seasonality. And so they were using freeze-drying processes to, I suppose, extend the, the life and the nutritional content of, of the products. But is there somewhere a resource that we can go to to find out what's in season, when should we be buying things? And kind of, I suppose, at the end of the day, end of the day too, it can help our back pocket if things are in season. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well... One of the best uh, resources, I would say, is my own book. <laughs> so I've got um, a book. Well, it, it's kind of a book. It's actually called The Body Good Diary. Um, and it's a female health diary. And essentially what it is, it is a week-to-view diary, but it's broken down into each month. And each month I list the seasonal produce for that month. And then you get recipes along with that to kind of, you know, really um, use that seasonal produce and really highlight um you know the amazing meals that you can cook with that produce um so the body good diary would be a good place to start but otherwise just looking um you know you can definitely look online and each state will have their own kind of resources for seasonal produce remembering that this this can change you know so it all depends on like the weather and and what the seasons are doing what's happening with the farming all of that sort of stuff but um the other one is to just go to your local farmers markets so that really is going to be your best resource to see what is in season at the time. You, as you visit every month or every week or whatever it might be, you'll start to see, oh, okay, so these are out now, this must be in season. And you'll see that if you, you know, started going for a year or two, that there are those seasonal shifts, things come and go and you'll get more familiar with that. Absolutely. And so body good food, whereabouts can people find you, Steph, yes. for the next couple so of weeks? <laughs> yeah so my net, uh, my website is bodygoodfood.com.au and then i'm also i'm pretty active on instagram so nutritionist underscore steph gettys awesome and i think we owe you a bit of good luck there's something pretty exciting happening with welcoming a little one into the world and changing the the whole new nutritional kind of landscape as you yes Yep, I'm um, yeah, I'm just over 37 weeks pregnant at the moment as we're recording this. So I'm getting very close to bringing my first baby in the world, which obviously is a whole new realm for me to explore in the way of nutrition as well. Absolutely. I reckon, so I had a couple of people reach out. One was Claire. She's just welcomed twins to the world. And so she was mm -hmm. testing around baby intolerances and, and that as well. And so... I reckon you're going to find a whole new base of people that probably have already been following you, but now you've got a whole new aspect to, I suppose, the, the tools in the toolbox. Yeah, yeah. And look, I think, um, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, I suppose, yeah, interest around nutrition for babies because sometimes we don't prioritise it for ourselves, but if it's for our family or of our kids, we're always going to prioritise it. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to kind of explore there and, you know, I hope to be able to share that journey with, you know, my followers and, and my community as well as I, as I go through it. Yeah, definitely. No, well, thank you so much. It's been 
such an interesting conversation. I think what I love about the conversations is it, it literally started off. My approach was that I wanted to ask questions of people that I'm inquisitive about. And then I was like, Oh, well, I'll just record them. Maybe someone else will want to hear it. And <laughs> kind of it's, yeah, people are able to relate to this. And I think we're kind of taking a new or somewhat of a new perspective in terms of how we're actually talking about agriculture, but kind of having it all encompassing. So Ooh. I really appreciate the nutrition aspect and I'll, I'll let you enjoy <laughs> the next few months, but I'd love to have you back and see maybe what other guests we kind of have, have had already and who's coming up and seeing how we can nearly have like a bit of a health and nutrition panel or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, that's it for another week. And I'll just keep just getting, well, that's it for another week. I'll just keep getting surprised with the quality of guests and the type of conversations that we're having. You can find Steph at nutritionist underscore Steph Geddes on Instagram or jump over to her website, bodygoodfood.com.au. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and reach out with any words of advice, queries, questions, or if you just want to have a chat. You can get in touch with me directly at Ollie, that's O-L-I, at humansofagriculture.com. Look after yourself. See you next week.